Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes, the podcast that explores how insurgent brands in consumer goods categories are driving transformational growth. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. I am probably as excited as I was as a child at Christmas to be bringing you this interview today. I'll be honest, it has been a very long time since a food brand has really inspired me the way they used to when I was a graduate starting out at Nestle in 99-2000. And I'm sure many of you marketeers out there will understand what I mean. So I want to tell you about my new favourite brand and product, Tony's Chocolate Only, the number one chocolate brand in Holland, and I hope one day the number one chocolate brand across the world. I came across Tony's about six months ago at the till of a speciality food store in a country town. There were these huge big bars of brightly packaged chocolate tablets with Tony's Chocolate Only written across the front, and I was intrigued. When I picked up the bar, I could feel not only the thickness of the slab, but also that the squares seemed to be odd shapes under my fingers. The paper felt gorgeous in my hands, and the name Tony's Chocolate Only was intriguing. Who is Tony? Why is he lonely? What was the brand going to tell me? I was hooked. I bought one in each colour and I took them home and without doing much reading of the packaging, I just knew from the brand name that this company was probably trying to do something good and it looked like it was going to taste great. And by God, it did taste great. And by God, did the story that the packaging and then the website tell me intrigue me even further. And then I started chatting online and on the telephone to headquarters in Amsterdam and I was absolutely inspired by what this company is trying to do. Tony's Chocolate Only describes itself as an impact organisation that exists to eradicate slavery in the cocoa industry by changing the industry from the inside out. It's an impact organisation that makes chocolate in order to make an impact, rather than a chocolate company that has invented a purpose or has also has a purpose and wants to make an impact. So I am delighted to introduce you today to Ben Greensmith, UK Country Manager of Tony's, and I'm going to let him tell you all about the company, the brand and the products. Ben brings a superb CV and a wealth of experience to Tony's from his roles in sales and as commercial director at Innocent in the UK, as well as COO of Propercorn, which basically makes Tony's his third famous super successful insurgent food brand in a row, which is something else. Ben, I'm so happy to welcome you on Brand Growth Heroes. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, really excited to be here on the hottest day of the year. So I'm, I'm wearing shorts today, which is the first time I've done it in my in my Tony's time. But it's just so hot that I've had to. So, but we luckily we've got a nice cold office. So you lucky thing. I'm in I'm in a sweaty studio wearing jeans, and I'm eight and a half months pregnant. So it's it's not the <laughs> I, it's I got not the better the best. deal. <laughs> you did. So listen, you're in a way better place than me to tell our listeners all about Tony's Chuckle Only. Will you start by telling us about the product range and where it's selling and how it's performing and, and maybe how you ended up working there? Yeah, so we are pretty new to the UK, but we've been around in Holland now for 14 years. And I'll tell you a bit about the story a bit later. But um, I think, as you said in your intro, we're, we're now the biggest chocolate brand in Holland. So we've got a 20% market share over there. So we're number one, um, but we're number one in a fairly small country. But uh, it's, a, it's a great start. We, we overtook Cadbury's about a couple of years ago. If you go to Amsterdam, if you spend any time in Holland, you cannot miss Tony's. I think our coverage now is kind of 99% of stores that sell chocolate sell Tony's and on average they carry nine bars so it's more than a more than a shelf and as you will see if you pick up the product or if you go on our website it's really brightly colored 
packaging. We have a really serious mission to eradicate slavery and child labor across the whole of the cocoa industry, but we try to take ourselves not too seriously, which is why I suppose the brand is the total opposite of that. If you open one of our bars, you'll see that it's unequally divided, and um, that tells the story in itself. Uh, it, we launched in the UK in January, following a successful launch in the USA about four years ago. So there's three countries where we have our own teams. The Netherlands, obviously, which is our, our what we call our home base, where we've, we've grown up and established the brand. The USA and the UK, and I lead the UK business. Those are important markets for us because they're the home of the big chocolate companies. Yeah, we launched in January now, and uh, over here, we, we started off with Selfridges. We are every Whole Foods, we're in Liberty of London, um, but part of our strategy and launch plan has also been to, to make sure that we can get a bit of scale and reach with some of the bigger guys. So we're also, you'll find us in pretty much every single Sainsbury's, which is crazy, considering that we've only been we're four, four months in now. So yeah, we've got um, six products in Sainsbury's, two of which are in pretty much every single Sainsbury's. And then, yeah, good, good presence and weight chosen the card and a load of lovely independence. That is unbelievable. Yeah, what you will see is when you, if you pick up the products, we've got a range of seven big bars and four small bars and it's colorful packaging. We've never spent a penny on advertising. And so a lot of the communication that we do is, is on the pack and the product itself then tells you a story. So you unwrap this lovely, big, chunky bar of chocolate and it is chunky. It's 180 grams, the big one. The small one's about 50. But the first thing you're struck with is beautiful packaging. You get into it and it is yeah, just a beautiful mix of chunks. And that tells the story in itself, which is that the cocoa industry is unequally divided. So our bar is unequally divided. So just want to pick up something you said along the way there, which is just mental, right? Really, you know, the nub of it all. You mentioned childhood slavery and child labour. What, what, child, childhood slavery in the cocoa industry? How come I didn't know about this? Uh, yeah, I, you're not alone. I think you don't know about it because people don't really want to talk about it. It's not in the interest of the big cocoa producers and the big brands to talk about it, but it is a massive problem. So 70% of the world's cocoa comes from West Africa and then 60% of it comes from two countries in particular Ghana and the Ivory Coast so more than half of the world's cocoa comes from these countries around the equator it's nice and hot and humid but you've got to think of the cocoa industry as, as a bit of an hourglass so on one hand you've got people like us consumers who love chocolate billions and billions of consumers enjoying it on the other side you've got the millions of farmers producing it and in the middle all the power sits with seven big producers and brands basically so those brands are Mondelez, Cabri, uh, sorry, Mondelez Nestle, Mars, Hershey and then the producers Mehi, Cargill and Barry Calabao. All the power sits with those guys and in our view they keep the price of cocoa inhumanely low and that's what we want to change and how that then manifests itself is the farmers aren't getting paid enough so you've got about two and a half million farmers in West Africa and at the moment there's 2.3 million children working on those farms which in itself isn't a problem but 90% of those, 2.1 million, are working illegally. So they are doing stuff they shouldn't do, carrying stuff they shouldn't, using pesticides they shouldn't, not having the correct equipment, and basically being denied an education. In the worst instances, you've got a minimum of 30,000 children being sold as slaves, which is nuts. I mean, these, these are kids my son's age, my son is nine, being you know held, beaten, trafficked, basically making cocoa for us to enjoy, which is today is crazy. But how is that allowed to happen, I, Ben? I, I just, I'm just in shock because I've worked in, you know, in food and particularly in chocolate over the last 20 years. And I have never 
really heard about this, you know, maybe in passing once or twice, but I've worked for some of these big companies. How is this allowed to happen? It's a lack of responsibility from the big players. The good news is there's a solution there that involves, you know, paying more, taking more responsibility. But the problem you've got at the moment is that people are buying from a big mass and a big mound of cocoa with no responsibility for how that cocoa is produced further down the value chain. So they're just picking from this big pile. And I mean, it makes economic sense for those big producers not to ask too many questions. And fundamentally, they're not paying enough. So what is the solution? And what are you guys doing to try and change this? Yeah. So what I mean, what we do is we want to show that there's a different way to run your business. So we are a business. We're not a charity or an NGO. We make money, we make profit, but that profit isn't our goal. It's a means to achieving our goal, which is slave-free chocolate. So we want to inspire consumers to change what they're buying, but ultimately we want the big producers and manufacturers to change. So we pay more for our cocoa, which is really fundamental. So we are fair trade, but it's a start. Fair trade is a start. It doesn't go far enough. So we, we pay the fair trade premium. We then pay what we call the Tony's premium on top of that. And we pay that direct to the cooperatives so they can earn a living income. So that's about a 50% premium over the farm gate price. We have a fully traceable supply chain. So all of our cocoa is separated all the way through. We work with five cooperatives, four in Ivory Coast, one in Ghana. Uh, we visit those about eight times a year. So we know how that cocoa is basically being grown and that is separated all the way through. So our partners and our cooperatives can look and check where their cocoa is and they know when they're going to get paid. So they can go into our system and they can see when it's arriving in, say, Antwerp, for example. We only work with cooperatives because it empowers the farmers, basically, and we have five-year agreements so they can plan for the long term. And the fifth area that we do is we encourage them to both improve their productivity, but reduce at the same time their dependency on cocoa as well. And it's only by doing all five of those things that you can make a real difference. You can't just pick one of those and focus on it. The area that people seem, the big companies seem to have the biggest issue with is paying more for their cocoa. Yeah, I mean, that was really clear to me when I was looking at all of the sustainability statements on all of the companies you mentioned. They mentioned education, they mentioned, you know, helping the farmers to increase their productivity. They mentioned all sorts of things about, you know, no child labour, et cetera, et cetera. But nowhere was it mentioned, we will pay them more for their cocoa. You're the only ones yeah. talking about that. Yeah, and that's, that's important. There's a, it's why we like fair trade. Fair trade focuses on price. You know, Mondelez have, say, something like Coco Life. Those things tend to focus on yield and not price. Um, the other thing is, as well, it's important to treat the cooperatives and the farmers on an equal footing as partners. It's not up to us to tell them what to do with the money and where to invest that in the community. And that's what we try and do as well, which is very different. So give me an example of a, a typical family. I mean, you know, that's a terrible thing to say, typical family, but if a small family producer, how much are they producing and what are they getting for that money in the normal system versus what they would be getting from you, their experience with you and the money they would get from you? Um, I mean, look, we're, pretty, we're still. The thing is, we're still we're still tiny. We're still small, but um, we want to make a big change. So we we account for about 0.1 percent of all the world's cocoa. What the average farmer in the Ivory Coast has a farm that can produce a thousand kilos a year. So about a ton of cocoa, and give or take, he will receive about a pound a kilo. So he's getting, or she, are getting £1,000 a year for the average size farm, which is crazy. They then have five or six mouths to feed on top of that. So if you work out what they're getting per head, it's about, it's about 43p per person per head to live off a day, which is no way near enough. The poverty line where they need to be getting to is about 
two pounds a day per person per person per day to live off oh my god so it's so far away from what would be acceptable in terms of an acceptable standard of living exactly and then that, and that's the thing that we want to do we want to raise awareness of these issues but show that there is a different way and that's hopefully you know our business model we work off a, a lower gross margin a lower operating profit but we're still making money but we just cut our cloth slightly differently and we pay more at the beginning of the value chain because this is a problem that doesn't need to exist and you talk about brand purpose you know we the whole reason we were set up is to solve a problem that doesn't need to be there so tell us about why you were set up and how you were set up because that is just such an <laughs> inspiring story yeah it's um it is a crazy it's a crazy story so we um back in 2001 there were two senators in the u.s harkin and engel who found these issues out and they're like right if there's seven big producers and seven big brands get them around the table we can sort this out this is a problem that shouldn't exist they got everyone together, got the big companies, the big manufacturers and producers together, signed an agreement that they would clean all the act up in, in, in 10 years' time. But basically, back in about 2005, nothing nothing had happened. And there were three Dutch journalists on a Dutch TV program called Corinthians Van Vader, or Food Unwrapped, uh, which we have over here. And they were like, right, well, what's going on? Let's see. And uh, they looked into it. And one of them was called Tony, or Turn, Turn van der Kerken. And um, he basically went over to Geneva to stand outside Nestle's headquarters, tried to speak to Barry Calabau. And this is a guy, he can get angry quite quickly in, in literally a couple of minutes. So you can imagine after a couple of hours outside of these headquarters, no one was talking to him, telling them what they were doing. <laughs> he, he, was, he was really angry. So he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he filmed himself eating a load of chocolate from these big producers I phoned the police and said, you've got to arrest me because I'm a chocolate criminal. They hung up on him. So he then took it a stage further and he hired a lawyer to prosecute him for encouraging child labor and slavery. Because he reasoned, God. well, I, I'm eating chocolate. I know it's an issue. Therefore, I'm, you know, just like if I, I knowingly buy a stolen car, you know, I'm part of the problem. And he flew out to Africa, to um, West Africa, and then he got three boys to testify against him who had been trafficked in as slaves um, and held against their will. And he got one of them to come back to stand up in court in Amsterdam, but it got thrown out. And the judge said, I can't, while you're morally right, I can't draw a line between the cocoa that these boys have produced and the stuff that you've eaten. And also, if I make an example of you, what's precedent for everyone else who eats starts, continues to eat cocoa. So um, got thrown out of court, but off the back of it, Tony made 5,000 bars as a PR stunt make great TV, sold out in hours. And the decision was, look, if we're going to change things, rather than a PR stunt, let's do it from within and we'll show that you can you can run your business differently. And actually, that's much more inspiring. So um, that is how Tony's was born. And now we're in 12 countries. We're number one in Holland. We launched over here in January. We account for 35% already of all the sales of chocolate in Whole Foods in the UK, which again is nuts. Unfortunately, they've only got seven stores if they need them to open a few more. But um, yeah, it's um, so far so good. And we already know that about 60% of our sales in Sainsbury's are totally incremental for them. So either people adding Tony's to their repertoire, so to their shopping basket, or a brand new purchase, which in a category like chocolate that's been around for centuries is and is really flat in the UK is is really nice. One of the things that really strikes me here is that the consumer demand for something that pays fairly to producers is there and that what the big companies have thought for all these years 
you know, that it's got to be a certain price and, and that there's no values attached to that price is actually wrong. And it, it makes me think of an interview that we'll be launching soon that I was telling you about earlier about a big success story in France. This company, C'est qui le patron? Or Who's the Boss? Which is a consumer brand which allows consumers to choose the kind of the criteria upon which agro products are launched on. And, you know, if you guys are doing this well, right, this quickly in the UK, I mean, you really are. I mean, that's spectacular growth. Does it not show the bigger companies that the demand is there and they shouldn't be scared of changing their model? Yeah, we we hope so. We we genuinely believe so. That I think if you look at the rise of the B Corp, so we're a B Corp as well, business can be and needs to be a force for good. I think people increasingly now, consumers, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but and the younger generation really do give a toss about where they're spending their money. And and also people want to work for a business that is doing some good in the world. I personally, you know, if I fast forward maybe three decades, I don't know, I'm sitting on my rocking chair looking back. I don't, I want to be proud of the businesses that I've worked for. And yeah, and I think increasingly that people do care and they really do want to work at a business that's doing doing good. I've not had as motivated, we're a really small team in the UK, there's five of us. I've not had a team as motivated and focused on doing a great job and that's important and I think when you have a cause and a mission that's as strong you do work harder and people get it and we're proving I think that people are prepared to find out a bit more about how their their products are sourced but then also pay a bit more for it that said you know only about 20% of our sales in Holland still come from people just buying our brand for the mission you know, we, we have a cool brand and a great product. And I think the full package is what sets us apart. But um, we lead on the mission and that's the most important thing. So not only is your brand promise delivering something in terms of its mission, but your product is delivering in terms of its taste, yeah. and its experience, right? That's one of the things I love about your product, actually. And just to tell our listeners, you know, because you guys have got to go and buy this. And, and I know that you can buy it on Tony's website if you can't yet buy it in the country where you're living. But... When you open this kind of Willy Wonka slab of brightly coloured chocolate and and you see this amazing map of Africa, almost kind of, you know, artists interpretation of this unequally divided chocolate industry map of Africa. There's these differently sized squares, but each square when you put in your mouth is really thick. It's much thicker than most squares of chocolate. So in terms of mouthfeel, which is such an important part of the chocolate eating experience, you get a really different mouthfeel with every bite because the squares are different sizes, but also a really different mouthfeel from a normal bar of chocolate, it has to be said, you know. And one of the things I love, actually, because I had it last night because I went out and bought uh, three bars uh, since the last time we spoke, which, by the way, over here on the holiday island that I'm currently on, cost me a lot because of, <laughs> because of I think, all the margins and all the wholesalers. But you have a dark milk chocolate don't you yeah we do we do, we do have a dark milk chocolate which is really interesting yeah we have we, i mean one of the best selling bars we have in the uk so our best selling bar is caramel and sea salt that is the best selling chocolate bar in the whole of holland and it outsells the next best one two to one wow uh, which is also ours which is our milk but over here the dark milk toffee and pretzel which is the purple wrapper yeah is a bit of a it's a winner so it's doing much much better over here than it is in holland and I think likewise in the US, I think that one's pretty big as well. So, um, but we do have very different wacky 
flavours. You, you mentioned your team there and I know that people culture is one of the key drivers of Tony's success and I do want to come back to that in a second but just before we do I think it's really important to go back to the main point here which is that Toon or Tony the guy who started this said that he was implicated in child labour child slavery because he was buying chocolate that had this incorporated into the value chain potentially. Does that mean that every single one of us, when we pick up an Nestle bar or a craft bar or a whatever, you know, it could be cocoa powder in a private label drinking chocolate, that potentially we're buying something that unknowingly, unwittingly has had illegal child labor or even child slavery involved in its production? Yes, 100%. And that's what we want to change. And that's why we say that actually, you know, you need to take more responsibility for the, for the cocoa that is being produced, which is why we don't use mass balance mass balance comes from a big pile of chocolate and it's a big faceless pile of chocolate and that for us we want people to know that if they're buying chocolate they know where it's coming from and to the best intent how that that, those conditions upon which that's being grown but this has got to be something that you know we can all get behind in a massive way by refusing to buy everybody else's chocolate only buying your chocolate i'm saying this by the way you aren't And, and just, you know, saying, right, I'm not going to buy any chocolate anymore that potentially could, because I know that a lot of these big companies are saying, you know, we're trying very hard, and but we can't guarantee that there's no slavery involved or that there's no child labor involved. But if that's the case, if they can't guarantee it, well, then we just don't want anything to do with it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's up to us to keep asking questions. There's a lot of good businesses out there and, you know, there's other companies out there. There's fair trade chocolate companies, which which are great, that are making a difference that are structured slightly differently. But it is up to the big companies to to change their sourcing. These these are the companies that can really make a difference in the world. As I say, we're 0.1% of all the cocoa. We will continue to grow and we'll, we'll continue to make a difference and help more farmers. But more businesses need to be doing that. Yeah. And, then, and that's up to big chocolate companies or big big choco to change, basically. So how is your team going to help you do that? What kind of team do you like to employ? And, and what's your team looking like in the UK now? And what will they look like in the future? Small but perfectly formed. Um, five nice. of us. So we have two, I have two salespeople, one uh, brand uh, marketer and uh, ops and finance. And I think next year we will be adding one more salesperson and then a junior brand assistant to help with some of the social. So we, one of the big things about Tony's and we've grown to, I suppose this year will hopefully turn over 70 million with, we've never spent a penny on advertising. So everything that we do is conversations, word of mouth, getting the bar into people's hands because the message and the mission is so serious and so important. We feel that actually we rely much more on a pull marketing strategy than a push marketing strategy. We don't, we, you can dumb it down quite easily if you stick it on a billboard or a, a TV advert. We want to have a conversation with people and we feel actually if we can get that message across, people will feel compelled to share it. We're very generous with our product, but um, yeah, a lot of our focus is on talks. My team's focus, we spend a lot of time doing podcasts, talking at events, standing up in front of a few hundred people, telling them why we do what we do. So yeah, we will. That's how we will. That's our model. That's how we continue to to grow, and that's what we'll continue to do in the UK. So you you'll hopefully see a lot more of us, but uh, in some of the usual places and some unusual places too. And tell us about the people culture and the pillars, the kind of people pillars in in Tony's that have evolved over the years, because they're really quite unique. I think in the food <laughs> industry, they're much more like a Google or a Facebook, aren't they, than what we'd expect from a big company like Nestle or Kraft or. Yeah, I think it's one of the things 
people love about Tony's is we say we're crazy about chocolate, serious about people. So we're crazy about chocolate because that's that's our mission. That's what we do. And then we're serious about people. And that starts with our team. So we overinvest in our team and our culture because we found that actually people, as I said earlier, people work so hard tirelessly to achieve the greater goal. So we want to make sure we've got the best people and they're the most engaged people to help us achieve that mission. So anyone that works at Tony's, can you can take home as much chocolate as you can physically carry a day. Mm. Um, so you come into the office, you can take as much home as you can carry. To offset that, you get a pair of trainers every year. Nice. Um, so you, <laughs> we encourage you to offset that. Also, if you hold your BMI, you get a bonus. Probably not that politically correct, but we don't measure it. It's a voluntary measure. Um, <laughs> we also invest in the team as well. So everyone in, in, in my team, in our team, has a £2,500 personal development fund per year. Uh, wow. They can pick and choose with their boss how they use that as long as it furthers them or helps them in their job. It's It can be anything that they want to do. It could be coaching, but um, that's up to them. If you're on a part-time contract, you get £1,500. We take everyone away for three days. We'll go skiing. We have a no smoking bonus, but the culture and the look and the feel of the office is important too. So in I'm just designing the office here in the UK, but in Amsterdam, we're going to have the same thing. We have this big red button on the wall. And then if you have some good news, you hit this big red button and the lights go off and there's a disco ball that starts spinning around um, <laughs> and everyone starts cheering and no one really knows why. But yeah, it's important that we have we have happy people. We also, one of the other things people like is a lot of companies don't want you to have a baby. We 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 like it. We call we call if you have a baby when you're at Tony's, it's it's a tiny Tony. Um, and we'll give you we'll give you a thousand pounds bonus. Um, and if you call that baby Tony, you get five thousand pounds. I'm I'm giving birth in five weeks. I might I might call her Tonette. Does that count? <laughs> no, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Tony or Tony or nothing. So, God, I mean, wow, I, I want to come and work for Tony's. I think you're going to get a flood of CVs after this uh, because, <laughs> uh, honestly, it's exactly the kind of company I wish that when I was still working in-house, I, I'd be working for. It makes me laugh when you say um, the keeping your BMI bonus because when we all joined Goo back in the day, which was like 2006, 2007, we'd all sit there and watch as every new person joined the company <laughs> and wait. And within six weeks, everybody had put on three quarters of a stone, you know, <laughs> everybody, everybody new person who joined would would be moaning the fact that they'd put on three quarters of a stone. But it was, it was because there was chocolate everywhere, because rightly so, you have to be tasting your product and tasting the competitor's product all the time. Otherwise, how can you stay at the top of the game, you know? Yeah. So that makes me laugh. So look, in terms of where people can get the product, in the UK, we've said it's in every single Sainsbury's and in Whole Foods and in Liberty and Selfridges. And and we know that we can get it online. Are you, you're launching soon in Ireland, I believe? Yeah, we are. We're, we're working with, um, got a great distributor out there who basically is going to place their order, first order later this week. So um, we've had so much interest over that. I went over to Ireland. I love going over to Ireland. So we went around Dublin on bikes, myself and Eamon, the sales director of, of Stafford Lynch, who, who we're using. And um, they, yeah, we just went around and we took a load of Tonys and we went and told people the story to places like, um, you know, Brown Thomas and meet Thomas Ennis and his, you know, with his spa, spa shops. And it was, it, the reaction was just incredible, actually. It was just really reassuring to see that I think it's, the Irish market's, I think, going to be massive for us as well. And I'm really it excited. Will be. I mean, big chocolate eaters in Ireland, aren't they? 
they you are. know, per kilograms per head per year. I think it's up there near near Holland, if I remember rightly from my Nestle days. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know what it is for Ireland, but I think it's similar to the UK. And that is, and this is just another of those stats that I still, I have to check because it, it baffles me, but eight, the average consumer in the UK eats eight kilograms of chocolate a year, which is 50 of our big bars a week. Sorry, one a week. <laughs> <laughs> one a week. <laughs> yeah, I got my years and my weeks modelled up. But yeah, okay. and that's a lot. That's a lot of lot of chocolate. I work for a chocolate company, so I get as much free as I can carry and I have to ration myself. But yeah, it's um, someone's offsetting that somewhere. So do you know where where it'll be available, what stores it'll be available in and when in Ireland? Yeah, we're, I mean, the plan is over the next few months, uh, we'll be in the uh, Fallon and Burn, we'll be in, we're already in Avoca, Brown Thomas, a lot of the kind of high-end places that we can start to have conversations with people. It's going to be the focus for the first kind of six to eight months, but there's no shortage of those, which is really exciting. We've got a hit list of about 100 stores. So if anyone's interested, tell them to get in contact. Oh, well, we will. We will. We will. I think it's going to go down an absolute storm. I really do. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted for all of our listeners because over half our listeners are actually based in Ireland. So I'm delighted that you guys are all going to be able to buy this. You've got to buy into it big time because yeah. it is fabulous stuff in, in every single way. Finally, what one thing as shoppers and consumers of chocolate can we do in order to help eradicate childhood slavery in the cocoa industry? I mean, the big thing for me is, is it's just, I think more and more, just be choiceful. I think in terms of where you spend your cash, what you're doing with your money. And I think ask, ask questions about the brands and the businesses that you're, you're, you're buying into, because I think fundamentally any, any, any money you're spending, anything that you're doing is basically, in my view and our view is a vote for the, the kind of world that you want to live in. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, be choiceful and use your force to make a positive change. Don't, don't think you're too small to make a difference. And I would say only buy Tony's chocolate from now on, <laughs> because basically that's what this means, really. Listen, Ben, thank you so much for your time today. I'm really, really excited that you guys are doing so well and that you've got such great plans ahead. And I'm really sure that you will be one of the biggest chocolate brands in the world very soon. I don't see any reason why you won't be. You know, I really don't. So I'm wishing you all the very best of luck, you, you, your team in the UK, your team in Amsterdam. And thank you so much. Certainly, I feel... So lucky that I've come across you guys and learned uh, something really important that is changing the way I'm consuming and um, something that's quite important in my life. So thank you. Pleasure. Um, anytime. And thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.